chapter fourteen of supplements to the first book second half the doctrine of the abstract idea or thinking from the world as will and idea volume two by arthur schopenhauer translated by r b haldane and j kemp this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine the doctrine of the idea of perception chapter fourteen on the association of ideas the presence of ideas and thoughts in our consciousness is as strictly subordinated to the principle of sufficient reason in its different forms as the movement of bodies to the law of causality it is just as little possible that a thought can appear in the mind without an occasion as that a body can be set in motion without a cause now this occasion is either external thus an impression of the senses or internal thus itself also a thought which introduces another thought by means of association this again depends either upon a relation of reason and consequent between the two or upon similarity even mere analogy or lastly upon the circumstance that they were both first apprehended at the same time which again may have its ground in the proximity in space of their objects the last two cases are denoted by the word apropos the predominance of one of these three bonds of association of thoughts over the others is characteristic of the intellectual worth of the man the first named will predominate in thoughtful and profound minds the second in witty ingenious and poetical minds and the third in minds of limited capacity not less characteristic is the degree of facility with which one thought recalls others that stand in any kind of relation to it this constitutes the activeness of the mind but the impossibility of the appearance of a thought without its sufficient occasion even when there is the strongest desire to call it up is proved by all the cases in which we weary ourselves in vain to recollect something and go through the whole store of our thoughts in order to find any one that may be associated with the one we seek if we find the former the latter is also found whoever wishes to call up something in his memory first seeks for a thread with which it is connected by the association of thoughts upon this depends mnemonics it aims at providing us with easily found occasioners or causes for all the conceptions thoughts or words which are to be preserved but the worst of it is that these occasioners themselves have first to be recalled and this again requires an occasioner how much the occasion accomplishes in memory may be shown in this way if we have read in a book of anecdotes say fifty anecdotes and then have laid it aside immediately afterwards we will sometimes be unable to recollect a single one of them but if the occasion comes or if a thought occurs to us which has any analogy with one of those anecdotes it immediately comes back to us and so with the whole fifty as opportunity offers the same thing holds good of all that we read our immediate remembrance of words that is our remembrance of them without the assistance of mnemonic contrivances and with it our whole faculty of speech ultimately depends upon the direct association of thoughts for the learning of language consists in this that once for all we so connect a conception with a word that this word will always occur to us along with this conception and this conception will always occur to us along with this word we have afterwards to repeat the same process in learning every new language yet if we learn a language for passive and not for active use that is to read but not to speak as for example most of us learn greek then the connection is one-sided for the conception occurs to us along with the word 
but the word does not always occur to us along with the conception the same procedure as in language becomes apparent in the particular case in the learning of every new proper name but sometimes we do not trust ourselves to connect directly the name of this person or town river mountain plant animal etc with the thought of each so firmly that it will call each of them up of itself and then we assist ourselves mnemonically and connect the image of the person or thing with any perceptible quality the name of which occurs in that of the person or thing yet this is only a temporary prop to lean on later we let it drop for the association of thoughts becomes an immediate support the search of memory for a clue shows itself in a peculiar manner in the case of a dream which we have forgotten on awaking for in this case we seek in vain for that which a few minutes before occupied our minds with the strength of the clearest present but now has entirely disappeared we grasp at any lingering impression by which may hang the clue that by virtue of association would call that dream back again into our consciousness according to kieser tellurismus memory even of what passed in magnetic somnambular sleep may possibly sometimes be aroused by a sensible sign found when awake it depends upon the same impossibility of the appearance of a thought without its occasion that if we propose to do anything at a definite time this can only take place if we either think of nothing else till then or if at the determined time we are reminded of it by something which may either be an external impression arranged beforehand or a thought which is itself again brought about in the regular way both then belong to the class of motives every morning when we awake our consciousness is a tabula rasa which however quickly fills itself again first it is the surroundings of the previous evening which now reappear and remind us of what we thought in these surroundings to this the events of the previous day link themselves on and so one thought rapidly recalls the others till all that occupied us yesterday is there again upon the fact that this takes place properly depends the health of the mind as opposed to madness which as is shown in the third book consists in the existence of great blanks in the memory of past events but how completely sleep breaks the thread of memory so that each morning it has to be taken up again we see in particular cases of the incompleteness of this operation for example sometimes we cannot recall in the morning a melody which the night before ran in our head till we were tired of it the cases in which a thought or a picture of the fancy suddenly came into our mind without any conscious occasion seem to afford an exception to what has been said yet this is for the most part an illusion which rests on the fact that the occasion was so trifling and the thought itself so vivid and interesting that the former is instantly driven out of consciousness yet sometimes the cause of such an instantaneous appearance of an idea may be an internal physical impression either of the parts of the brain on each other or of the organic nervous system upon the brain in general our internal process of thought is in reality not so simple as the theory of it for here it is involved in many ways to make the matter clear to our imagination let us compare our consciousness to a sheet of water of some depth then the distinctly conscious thoughts are merely the surface while on the other hand the indistinct thoughts the feelings the after sensation of perceptions and of experience generally mingled with the special disposition of our own will which is the kernel of our being is the mass of the water now the mass of the whole consciousness is more or less in proportion to the intellectual activity 
in constant motion and what rise to the surface in consequence of this are the clear pictures of the fancy or the distinct conscious thoughts expressed in words and the resolves of the will the whole process of our thought and purpose seldom lies on the surface that is consists in a combination of distinctly thought judgments although we strive against this in order that we may be able to explain our thought to ourselves and others but ordinarily it is in the obscure depths of the mind that the rumination of the materials received from without takes place through which they are worked up into thoughts and it goes on almost as unconsciously as the conversion of nourishment into the humours and substance of the body hence it is that we can often give no account of the origin of our deepest thoughts they are the birth of our mysterious inner life judgments thoughts purposes rise from out that deep unexpectedly into our own surprise a letter brings us unlooked-for and important news in consequence of which our thoughts and motives are disordered we get rid of the matter for the present and think no more about it but next day or on the third or fourth day after the whole situation sometimes stands distinctly before us with what we have to do in the circumstances consciousness is the mere surface of our mind of which as of the earth we do not know the inside but only the crust but in the last instance or in the secret of our inner being what sets in activity the association of thought itself the laws of which were set forth above is the will which urges its servant the intellect according to the measure of its powers to link thought to thought to recall the similar the contemporaneous to recognize reasons and consequence for it is to the interest of the will that in general one should think so that one may be well equipped for all cases that may arise therefore the form of the principle of sufficient reason which governs the association of thoughts and keeps it active is ultimately the law of motivation for that which rules the sensorium and determines it to follow the analogy or other association of thoughts in this or that direction is the will of the thinking subject now just as here the laws of the connection of ideas subsist only upon the basis of the will so also in the real world the causal connection of bodies really subsists only upon the basis of the will which manifests itself in the phenomena of this world on this account the explanation from causes is never absolute and exhaustive but leads back to forces of nature as their condition and the inner being of the latter is just the will as thing in itself in saying this however i have certainly anticipated the following book but because now the outward sensible occasions of the presence of our ideas just as well as the inner occasions those of association and both independently of each other constantly affect the consciousness there arise from this the frequent interruptions of our course of thought which introduce a certain cutting up and confusion of our thinking this belongs to its imperfections which cannot be explained away and which we shall now consider as a separate chapter End of chapter fourteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine